At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to join us in our message series and dive deeper into what God's Word has for us today. So again, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Woodside Romeo. I forgot to introduce myself earlier, but I'm Billy. I'm the campus pastor here. I also want to welcome all those who are watching online, the watching in the two overflow rooms downstairs. Last week, I actually got an update on how many people watched online, and I want to share that with you because I want you to understand the scope of what's happening right now online. Last, year, or last week, we had 362 views online, and there's actually a breakdown to how they figure out how many people that represents because, I mean, some, some families, you have like one person watching on the computer at home, and sometimes you have like five watching at home. So the conservative industry number, they use 2.2, to figure, which means we had just under 800 people watching online. And so I'm just, I'm so thankful for the technology that allows us to do that. I'm thankful for the team who, guys, are here by 7 a.m. just to get going, and they're here all morning serving both services. So I'm very appreciative to you guys. To those online, thank you so much for being here and being part of this. I know that so many of you you're still at home. You're in the at-risk category, and so you're, you're tuning in. I am very, very thankful that you're with us this morning. For those of you who are in your pajamas and you're eating your cereal and drinking your coffee, you're not in the at-risk category. You've already returned to life. You need to get to church, like for real. It's time. We're all here. We're waiting on you. Come on back. Like, it is time. Like, we got a couple overflow rooms for you. We got up here. Let's come on. Get the church family back together. So last week, I went to Nate and Lauren's wedding. It was like I did the service and then went home and got into a suit real fast and then went to Lauren's house. And um, it was beautiful. Like there's something so cool right now about weddings because people are doing it like in the backyard, right? And so it's intimate and it's real personal and it's relational. And it was like, you know, there's the house she grew up in and we're right here. And it was, it was, but the day before was the rehearsal dinner. Right? That's how weddings work. Normally, you have the rehearsal dinner. It was also her birthday. She's making it easy for Nate, isn't she? She's like, my birthday anniversary, buddy, you better not forget. Like, it's all right here together. So Amy and I totally crashed that party because we're like, if it's birthday and it's rehearsal dinner all one, there's going to be food. And so we're in, we're going. But you guys know, I've shared enough so that you know my struggle. My struggle is I'm kind of a wild man when it comes to food. Like, I have no control, and I, I wish I did, and, and ice cream really is my nemesis. That quarantine 15 was a real thing with me. Like, it was so real, because normal humans, y'all eat like a scoop of ice cream, and you're like, oh, that was yummy. Nope. <laughs> like, I, I have to have a mountain or it doesn't count, right? And I have to do it every single night before bed, because it's better for before bed, right? And so there gets a point then I look in the mirror, and I'm like, this is not healthy. This is bad. And so then I have to be a wild man the other way, and I have to be like, that's it. No sugar, none, no bread, none. I've got to be, I've got to be like that. I do. And so we go to this rehearsal dinner, back to the dinner, right? Back to this rehearsal dinner, birthday dinner, and they're cooking up the hamburgers, and it smells so good, and the hot dogs. And Lauren, today, after hearing the sermon, she's like, you didn't get any of the ice cream? No, I did not get any of the ice cream. No, I, I ate the quinoa. That's what I ate. Quinoa. <laughs> For like a year, Amy called it quinoa. Quinoa, right? 
Quinoa is so, so good for you. I mean, we're talking, where's, I, I wrote it down so I wouldn't mess this up. It's like one cup has like eight grams, I can't find it, but it's like eight grams of protein, five grams of fiber. I mean, come on, that stuff should taste like ice cream. This stuff is so good for you, but it doesn't taste like ice cream. It doesn't. Now, the quinoa last week was so good. It had like some, now you put enough avocado in it, it's pretty yummy, right? You know, and tomatoes and whatever they put in. They put a lot of good stuff in it. But pretty much, guys, I'm going to just tell you the truth right now. I, I don't like it, and I've tried to like it, and I want to like it. And people are like, it's a lot like rice. Nope. Nope. It's, that's nothing like rice. That is not rice. It is not. There were three little girls coloring in the first service right here in the floor, and they looked up and they said, it smells like bad broccoli or something when you cook it. And I'm like, it does. It is, it's not, I don't like it in the rain. I don't like it on the train. I don't like it here. I don't like it there. I do not like it anywhere. Right? It's back to school time. You got to work Dr. Seuss in. The point is simple. I think sometimes there are things that we want so desperately to like, but it's a struggle for us, isn't it? And, and the, the thing is for you, maybe you're going like, well, Pastor, I do have a little bit of discipline in my life. I don't got to be like all wild like that. I just eat good, right? And so maybe for you, it's not the diet thing. Maybe for you, it's reading. Maybe for you, it's your prayer life. Maybe for you, it's generosity, where you look and you go, I know that this is so good for me. I know it's healthy for me. I know spiritually it's healthy, but it's a struggle in this time of COVID and quarantine in this shaky world around us when I don't know what next week is going to look like. I, I tend to do this a little bit more. And so it, maybe your struggle is different than my struggle, but we all have the struggle, don't we? It's that struggle when you look in the mirror and you know I've got to do something different. I've got to change. But to change, that person in the mirror has to take a step. And that step scares us. That step scares us. Let's take our Bibles. Let's talk more about these steps. Open up to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, which this, I actually read this passage to you last week. It was not the main idea. It was just kind of a subtext. But this has been just rolling around in my heart all week long. This sermon, this is important. This sermon is different than most. Normally at Woodside, all 14 campuses are preaching from the same text that morning. Normally we're all preaching the same message, basically. We contextualize it, but it's normally the same message. A few times a year, they look at the campus pastors and they say, guys, preach what you feel. I, they don't say it like that, but basically, they're like, I mean, you still got to, you know, let's preach from the Bible and let's stay grounded and let's not go crazy here. Don't be a wild man, you know, but you're allowed to speak directly to your congregation. I want you to know, no one else is hearing this message this morning. This is for Woodside Romeo. We're going to be in verse 14, and we're going to look at this big idea that Jesus, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Give his life as a ransom for many. So let me give you the context. Jesus is preparing to start his public ministry. And as he does, we're going to see that he enters the scene, he starts talking, and he calls these first four disciples, Andrew, Simon, who will become Peter, James, and John. He calls these first four, and he says, I want you to follow me, and I'm going to make you, which means they're not now, they're not that yet, he's going to make them, he's going to shape them. I'm going to make you, and we expect Jesus to say, now I know you've been in church long enough that you're like, I already know what he says. Well, pretend you don't for a moment. 
you would think Jesus would say, I'll make you more disciplined because we struggle with it. I will make you more spiritual. I will make you a better prayer. I will make you more generous. I will make it. We expect him to say all these things, but that's not what he says. What he says, I, I think either would have freaked them out a little bit. It would have scared them just a titch, right? Or I, I think it would have confused them. Maybe a little bit of both. But here's what I love about the response that we're going to see. The response is they knew that it required change and they were willing to take that step. So Mark chapter 1, before I start reading, I want to do something. This is something I don't think I've ever done it here. I used to do it pretty much every week at my old church. And I know it's a little bit cheesy, a little bit, but there's, there's a reason I'm doing this. I just want you to take your Bibles. Will you hold it up this morning at home in the overflow? Remember when hold it up. I want you, your phones, your iPads. I just want you to know this. Everything that you need to live the life that the Lord has called you to is right here. Everything that you need, think you can put them down. Everything that you need, the transforming of the renewing of your mind that you're waiting for is right there in Scripture. We just have to continue to study and open our hearts to the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you don't have a Bible, if you're like, well, I just, I never got a Bible, and you don't want to download one because that just feels weird to you, we have Bibles in the lobby for you. Please, please, please stop and grab one. On the inside cover, open it up, write your name right there. That's yours. It's our gift to you. You don't know anything for it. Just write your name right there. And my encouragement is continue to open it all throughout the week and study the word of God. Everything you need is right there. We believe there's power in God's holy word. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. This will sound a little bit familiar if you were here last week. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So now after John was arrested, it's talking about John the Baptist. John the Baptist has been arrested. Jesus goes into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, which means the good news. So Jesus is preaching at this point. It's what we would expect him to do. He's preaching, and here's what he's saying in verse 15. He's saying the time is fulfilled. Quick time out again. The Jews for generations and generations and generations, they've been waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting for the rescuer of Israel. Rome has invaded. They're basically occupying Israel at this point, and they're waiting for a Messiah, for a rescuer. I want you to picture that painting. You've probably seen it of George Washington on his horse and the muscle, not of George, but at the horse, the muscles are just like popping, you know, like the, the painting. I'm, if you don't, just imagine that like this general, strong chin, held high, horse underneath. That's what they're waiting for. They're waiting for this rescuer. They're waiting for this savior to come. And Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It is so close and you don't want to miss this. Like it is time which you have been waiting for is right here and is closer than you can imagine. And so he says, so repent and believe in the gospel. All right, repent. You've been around here for a little bit and so you know repent means to turn. It literally means stop what you're doing and turn towards the Lord. But oftentimes when you see repent, it is repent, and then God's going to do this. Repent, and then God will heal the land, right? Repent. Repent. Jesus says, repent, and then your eyes will be open 
to see how close the kingdom is. Repent and turn, and then you're going to see what God is up to. And he's like, you don't want to miss it. It's kind of like um, when you're watching the night news, and the weather person is talking, and he or she is like, okay, so tonight at 2.30 a.m., there will be a meteor shower event that you don't want to miss. It's going to be spectacular. And so be sure to uh, go outside and look up to the sky towards the north or whatever they say. I don't know what they say. But it's something like that, right? And so sometimes what we do is we think to ourselves, well, I'm going to stay up late, 2.30. I can stay up till 2.30. I just need a lot of coffee in the morning. That's healthy. Stays hydrated. There's water and coffee. Right? It's going to be great. Health. It's all about health today. And, or you're like, no, 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 I'm going to go to sleep, but I'll set an alarm, and I'll get up so that I don't miss it. Either case, you miss it every single time, don't you? And we almost think, because we didn't see it, that it didn't happen. Jesus is saying, no, this is happening. Whether you're paying attention or not, this is happening, and I don't want you to miss it. Verse 16, passing alongside the Sea of Galilee... He saw Simon and Andrew, the Simon who would be Peter, Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea. One of the things that I love, I love the personality of the gospel writers, right? Like if you're a person who you love detail, you'll love Luke. Like Luke was a doctor, and he was all about the detail, so you'll notice his gospel's like real big. It's real big. And so like if you're all about that, you'll love how Luke writes, and if you're like, no, I want to talk about how personal and relational the Lord is, but yet how majestic he is, you'll love John. Like, you'll be all about the gospel writer John. If you're like, I'm just kind of simple and easy, like, tell it to me, you'll love Mark. Like, Mark is the one for you. Because look what he says. This cracks me up. This is like my kind of gospel writer. He says, uh, they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. <laughs> so it's like, as I'm reading that, I'm like, That'd be like saying, hey, Billy, we, uh, this last weekend, we got us a boat and some rods and reels and some stink bait. We're out in the lake because we were fishing. It's like, thanks, got it. <laughs> Thank you for that, Mark. That clears it right up. So they were, fi- <laughs> they were fishing, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you. And this is where we're on the edge of our seats thinking, you'll make them better business people, better sons. Maybe better husbands or dads one day. Like, what are you going to make them? And he says, follow me. And this is awesome. Follow me. And I will make you become, you're not there yet, become fishers of men. I love how Luke 5 says it. The doctor says from now on, you'll be catching men. And this next verse is so, so powerful and so foundational to our faith. It's simple, but not always easy to live. Look what it says in verse 18. And immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. Obedience and faith were completely in line. Do you see that? Obedience and faith were completely in line. Now, it almost seems like when you read this, like they're being irresponsible. Do you know what I mean? Like, their dad has this fishing business, guys. Their dad has this fishing business. He's getting a little bit older. The boys are getting a little bit older. One day, he's like, I'm going to retire up north, get me an RV. All the cool kids go up north. That's what they do around here. And so I'm going to hand my business over to my kids. They'll take it over. But that's not what happened. Dad, we've known Jesus for like five and a half minutes now. We're out. He said, follow me. We got to go. Well, boys, where are you going to stay? We don't know. 
What are you going to be doing? Mm, yeah, we, we don't really know. How long are you going to be gone? <laughs> right? And so you look at this and you're like, I don't know if this is the most responsible move ever. And yet their faith and their obedience were completely in line right here. It takes every generation to reach the next generation. I want just for a moment, I know my middle schoolers, you may be daydreaming. I need you to zone in for a moment, just one moment. Just stay with me for a second. Kids, listen. Middle schoolers, pay attention. High schoolers, I'm talking to you. College students, young adults, I, I want you just to hear my heart in this because this is huge. This is so, so, so huge. From this moment until now, every single great awakening in the history of our world has happened through young people. Doesn't happen through old guys with white hair in their beard who has problems eating ice cream. That's not where it comes from. It comes from our young people. And so that should put a fire in the belly of every single one of us to say, what is it going to take for me to give the next generation the tools they need to reach people with the gospel? What is it going to take? Because I want to be in on that. I want to be in on this. Jesus starts out by just calling these two guys. And he says, you're not there, but I'm going to teach you to fish. You're going to be a fisher of men. Verse 19, and going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending nets. He doesn't say it, but it's kind of like they're mending their nets because they were, yeah, you got it. They were fishermen. You're right with Mark. They were fishermen. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat. Dad, Dad's not even out of the boat yet. And they're just like, gotta go, Jesus said, and left the father in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. I don't, I don't think they had a clue. I, I don't think they even sort of had a clue, and yet they were obedient. And what a so beautiful church is you see within just the first few chapters, they start to do exactly what Jesus said they would do. They start to speak the truth of the gospel. They start to step into places that historically they never would have stepped into. And yet faithfully and boldly they do that. But it wasn't just these four. There was a whole group, a, a group mainly of misfits, right? You had the tax collector there. This would have been one of the most despised people in all of society. To go with that tax collector, they said, let us find this this political zealot type, let us find this one who's all into politics. That's all they want to talk about, politics, 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 all the time. We're going to bring that person into this group. And it wasn't just the 12, though, was it? There was a prostitute. There was a woman who had been married five times. There was a man who had been demon. Do you remember the man who had been demon-possessed? Jesus cast out the demons, and then this man was sent to go back to his hometown to do what? To go fishing. To follow is to fish. You can't separate the two. You literally can't. And I think we try to sometimes. I think we try to say, well, I follow Jesus. I just don't talk about my faith. I'm going to keep it secret. But that's not the pattern we see all throughout the New Testament. What we see is following and fishing, they, they go in line with each other. And yet, this makes me feel a little bit better, they were kind of a mess at it. These disciples, Jesus would have to reel them in so often, right? Like this one time Jesus is there and the kids are all around him and the disciples walk in and what do they do? Shoo, you kids, shoo, get on out of here, right? Jesus, this is Jesus, get, get on. And Jesus is like, that was my illustration right there. You just ran off my illustration. I was going to talk to you about faith and you just shoot off the kids. Or this other time, they're debating about who's the greatest, which is so ridiculous. They are standing with Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. Fully man, 
fully God. Here's Jesus. Here's the disciples. Well, I want to know who's the greatest, right? And so their debate is just dumb. It's like, what in the world is wrong with you? And Jesus would have to bring them back in. Now, I do think we need to pause and acknowledge something. Probably, probably whenever you became a Christian, when you place your faith and hope and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you probably were thinking, I want to go to heaven when I die. I don't want to go to hell. Like, I want eternity with the Lord in heaven. That's what I, this probably was not part of the equation. You probably were not thinking, yes, I'll place my faith in Jesus, and then I have to talk about my faith. I'll place my faith in Jesus, and then I have to go fishing. He's going to make me a fisher of other people, right? That's probably not what went through your head. And yet, this is exactly what we see is that as Christians, this is our calling. Now, if you're watching online, if you're downstairs, if you're in here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be thinking, this sounds awful. Like, this sounds horrible. If you become a Christian, you have to talk about your faith. I don't think I want to do that. That just, how can you guys do this? And I just, I want to let you in on something. I like it. I, I genuinely love talking about my faith. I, because here's why. The Lord has rescued me. He has saved me. He has set me free. And I believe with everything in me that it wasn't just for me, that it was for every single man, woman, teen, child, every tribe, every nation, every tongue on this entire planet, that the gift of salvation is available to all. Why would I not want to talk about that? That is something that fires me up. But here's what happens. We become consumed with the temporary instead of the eternal. Does that make sense? Like the temporary. Kids, before I say this next part, you should try really, really hard and you should get, great, good, get good grades in school. That's important. Get good grades in school. And now you, you should color or something. Don't listen to this part. But here's oftentimes what we do is we teach people you need to get good grades in school. And why do I need good grades in school? So you can get into a good college cool, why do I need to get into a good college so you can get a good job after your good internship? All right, but why do I need that good job and that good internship so that you can get a good house in the right neighborhood? Why? So that your kids can go to the right school and get good grades and start the whole process over again. Instead, I want to shift our focus a little bit, and I want to say those grades and that school, that's awesome, but that's about the gospel, the school that you're about is, is about the gospel. That's why you're there. That neighborhood that you're in, it is a gospel opportunity for you to fish. That's why you're there. The university that you're in, the family that you're in, this all goes back to the gospel of knowing him and making him known. That's why you're there. So instead of viewing the whole world through a bunch of temporary lenses, we should see the one big lens of eternity in front of us and to say everything that I'm doing now should be pointing everyone to the gospel truth of Jesus. That's why we do what we do. That's what I love talking about. Because I think that same thing, that temporary, that's also where we get bogged down, isn't it? is when we get so consumed with those temporary things and those temporary things don't go like they're supposed to, we act like it's shaking our world when the whole time the eternal things are never shaken. Listen, Christian, I want you to think about it this way. Church family, I want you to view yourself as being in a place where the Lord wants you to intentionally intersect those around you. 
Be intentional. Jesus said it's fishing. I'm going to teach you to fish. You don't know how yet. You're not there yet, but I'm going to make you this. There's a quote that I want to share with you. It's from D.A. Carson, the co-founder of the Gospel Coalition. And this quote, it's challenging. Like, the language is pretty strong language that he uses, but I think it's very appropriate for this topic. He says this. He says, some Christians, they want enough of Christ to be identified with him, but not enough to be inconvenienced. That's a little uncomfortable. He said they genuinely cling to basic Christian orthodoxy, but don't want to engage in Bible study. They value morals, especially in public, but they don't engage in the war against the inner corruptions. They fret over the quality of the preacher's sermon, but they don't worry much about the quality of their own prayer life. Such Christians are content with mediocrity. Let's go back. Jesus says, follow me, and what followed that was not, and I will give you a mediocre faith. Right? The goal of the Lord is not for you to have a mediocre faith. A faith that flip-flops depending on what season you're in, on how challenging life may be. That's not the faith the Lord has called us to. He wants your faith to be big in Him, so big that you actually believe that not only can He rescue you, but He can rescue the people that you're around, your oikos. He wants you to have that kind of faith. Now let's fast forward just a little bit to Mark 10. Take your Bibles, flip over to Mark 10. Mark 10, this is just before the triumphal entry. This is just before Jesus would enter into Jerusalem with palm branches waving as people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. This is just days before then Jesus would sit down with the disciples and participate in that last supper that we just remembered a few moments ago. James and John pull Jesus aside and they say, hey, Jesus, your kingdom, your kingdom is coming. And we want to know, like, can one of us sit on your right hand side, one of us on your left hand side? You like that? They still don't get it. After three years, they don't get it. They're going, Jesus, we want to be your right hand and your left hand man. Can we do that? And here's what Jesus says in verse 42. He says, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. I want you to think about that just for a moment. Let that, let that circle around in your heart. Let's go to your job for a moment. When you think about your job, you know how like sometimes there's that person, they've been working and striving, all of a sudden they get that promotion they've been wanting, and you were maybe part of it. Man, it's exciting, isn't it? You kind of want to be like, yeah, you did it, you know, and you're all pumped. I just want you to know something, that promotion doesn't get them to heaven. It doesn't. Be excited. I mean, I love that you helped them get the promotion. That's good, but it's not eternal. That person at school, maybe there's a person at school and they've been struggling and, and, and having a hard time and a lot of anxiety and they're just, man, it's just brutal. Then you're encouraging them along the way and then all of a sudden you see them like just start to shine and they're doing it. I want you to know that no matter how good the grades are, no matter how many activities they are in, they cannot earn a right standing with God. They can't do it. Think about that family member, your favorite family member in the world. 
Like, they're just good. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like they just say the right things and they do the right things. You can't be moral enough to get to heaven. My friends, there's only one way. That's why Jesus came. He came to ransom us. The truth of the gospel is that God loves us, but you and I have sinned. We have fallen short of the glory of God, and when we sin, it causes a separation between us and God. And I think the struggle is, is so often we look at the temporary things thinking that we can bridge the gap between us and God, and you can't be good enough to bridge that gap because we're not perfect, but Jesus is. He lived that perfect and sinless life and paid. No one took the life of Jesus. He gave it as a ransom for us. He paid for us on the cross. That's why Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fisher of men. Because how will, how will that person at your work, at your school, in your family, how will they believe if no one tells them the gospel? And how will they, how will they be told the gospel if you don't do the walking to go do it, if you don't take the steps of faith to go tell them? Now, how are you going to take the steps to tell them if you're not sent? Well, here's the message. Jesus is sending you. Jesus is sending you with the most incredible message the world has ever heard. And that is that people can have a right standing with God through faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Isn't that beautiful? Like, I love that. I absolutely love it. So here's the challenge for today. I want to leave you guys with a twofold challenge. First of all, Sometimes we hear messages like this and we think, whew, I'm just going to have to like tell everybody about Jesus. That's what I'm going to have to do. Everybody, everybody's going to have to hear about Jesus. Let's boil this down to make it easier. One, who's your one? That's what I want you praying about this week. Be bold enough to pray that, Lord, will you burden me with one that I'm supposed to take the gospel to? Just burden me with that. I love that oftentimes before I ever preach a message to you, the Lord's already laying that person on your heart. I got an email from a guy earlier this week who had no idea what I was going to be preaching on. And he said, Pastor, there's these two people, and I just feel like I'm not only supposed to have faith, but I'm supposed to talk to them about faith. And I'm just laughing, going, he has no idea what I've been praying about all week long, like, which is awesome. The same is probably true for you. There are people right now in your life that you know you're supposed to tell the truth to. You know that you're supposed to tell them. I just want you to pray, though, for those of you who don't know who that is. Lord, will you show me who my one is? Just show me who I'm supposed to share the good news of Jesus with. Maybe invite them to church. Maybe invite them over for dinner, and I can just tell them, hey, let me just tell you my faith story. Let me tell you what the Lord did in my life. I want you to be bold enough to take that step. Second, I want to encourage everyone to start to move back into prayer. Now that we're all here, I mean, you look around, we're all here, right? We're here, a lot of people are online. They're going to be here next week, though, right, guys? You're going to be here next week. You're coming, unless you're in the at-risk category. You're here next week. We got room. Come on. We know that we need to get back into the practice of attend one and serve one. Starting in two weeks, we're moving back to three services, just so you know, the first service, this is a holiday weekend. I don't know if you knew that or not. This is a holiday weekend. The first service was at capacity as well. So it's time. We need to move back to three services in two weeks on the 20th. But we're going to give you some cider and some donuts. You like that? Outside. That way, kids, on the way to the car, you can get some donuts before you get in the car. Because we love you, parents. It's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. 
Cider Donuts outside. And um, it's going to be great. And so that's two weeks. We're also starting student ministry back in two weeks. Again, thinking through this every generation to reach the next generation. This should be where you're being stirred right now to say, I know that kids ministry will be starting back soon. I wish I could tell you when. I'm just going to tell you it's coming soon. Probably you'll want to turn on your computer and look at Facebook on Wednesday, maybe for midweek live. Like you might want to do that. Just to see an update on the date. That would be so fun, wouldn't it? To turn on Facebook this week on Wednesday just to see what the news is. That would be great. And so some of you need to start to talk to Tracy now. And you need to say, Tracy, I want to be part of reaching the next generation. Some of you need to be talking to Ben, who leads our student ministry. Ben, maybe I don't want to teach the students, but I want to be a prayer warrior for you. Can I just pray every single Wednesday night as you guys are meeting? I want to pray through the rooms before you guys meet. I want to be praying for you as you're speaking to the students. I want to be praying for your small group leaders. Can I have a list of their names, their first names, so I can be praying for these small group leaders? Like there are places for you to serve, right? There's opportunities for you to jump in. Just imagine. Imagine you had the chance to pour into one of those kids One of those students who a few years from now, they're the ones starting two or three new Bible studies on their college campus. Or by the way, I look weird if I show up. They're not going to look weird. And you can be part of that. You have gifts and talents and passions and burdens for a reason. It's to be exercised and used to build up this church family. So I just want to challenge you in that. What does it mean to go fishing starting here? And don't be content here. Let's do it in your home as well. Let's do it at your work and school as well. Let's do it in our community as well. Father, we thank you for this high calling that you've given us to make disciples. Lord, to go fishing and to tell the truth of the gospel. Don't let us be content just glancing at the things that we know we ought to do. Let us have the boldness to take those steps of faith like Andrew and Peter and James and John, where they immediately dropped everything and they followed you in obedience. Lord, I want to be a man with that kind of obedience. I want to be surrounded by brothers and sisters here that live with that kind of obedience. And Father, I pray for those online or downstairs or in this room that maybe they've never surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. I pray that they've heard the gospel loud and clear today that you love us, but because of our own sin, because of our own rebellion, there's a separation between us and you. And that the only way to bridge that gap is through faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, who lived a perfect and sinless life, who was crucified, but on the third day conquered sin and death and rose from the grave. Lord, I pray for the freedom in this moment for those individuals to say, I am surrendering my life to the Lordship of Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. Lord, thank you for continuing to use us to advance the gospel forward. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let's stand as we close our morning in worship together. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.